Christmastide officially ended on the Feast of the Epiphany, but devotionally, Christmas extends to the Feast of the Purification of Mary, also known as Candlemas, on February 2nd. On today's podcast, Aaron, Matt, and Chris discuss the history of this beautiful traditional feast, diving deep into its Judaic roots, and speak about the sorrows and joys of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to the Theology of the Buddy Podcast, Episode 9. Julie, that was a great intro. Oh, guys, it's great. To be- no, yeah, we are. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the theology of the buddy, everybody. Episode nine. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Episode nine. It's like the next Star Wars, isn't it? That would be the next Star Wars. It's episode nine. Uh, I thought we were on episode like fifty-seven by now. Nope. There are episodes in between episodes too. No, yeah, Star Wars. Like, oh, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. 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 I haven't get, watched most of the new ones. Really? When was the what was the last Star Wars that you saw? The one where she ends up at uh, the island finding Luke Skywalker, like one of the new oh, ones. Oh, okay. But like there were ones in between. Like there was one. Yeah, like Rogue One, and then the one out. about Han Solo that everyone yeah. thinks should be Crap. like yeah, everyone involved in it should be hanged, drawn, and quartered, and it should be stricken from history. Yeah, from canon. I'm 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 a bit of a purist. I I didn't like the the new, especially the new. New Star Wars. I didn't. The Last Jedi. I thought it was garbage. I have no dog in this race because Star Trek is clearly superior. Oh, I love oh. masonry. <laughs> masonry. What's the connection there? Oh, this creepy one world government federation. Oh crap! We're not gonna have any money. It's all a utopian society. There's no disease. Well, there's no religion. Yeah, man. Oh, and the Prime Directive. Is, is you can't, like, even if you see this primitive culture that is on the brink of destruction, you can't help them because. Oh, not interference. Yeah, there's no interference. Mm. Anyway, so. Hey, but Captain Catherine Janeway, like, has a cool biography. Yeah. Remember you, that? Is that worth talking read, about? You read that? Matt read it. I read it. And he told me about you it. You read Catherine Janeway's biography? Kate Mulgrew is her name, actually. It's called Born with Teeth. And I was like, oh, maybe she's a tough woman. No, she was literally just born with teeth in her mouth. Oh, really? <laughs> like, legit. But it, it also, yeah, it also refers to that. Too. No, yeah, she's she's an interesting woman, but it's it's kind of sad to see how Catholicism kind of flickered out in their lives. Oh, she was a Catholic. Yeah, yeah, I, she probably you know would still call herself one in some ways, but she you know she grew up to Irish Catholic immigrant parents. Actually, I think she may have even spent a little bit of time in Ireland, but you know their main experience of the faith was eating fish on Fridays and hating it, and asking their mom. Why do I always have to eat this fish on Friday? And her mom's only response to that was, I don't make the rules. And that's that's the only explanation. You know, wow. seeing her dad cheat on, like, catching her dad cheating on mom and experiences with mom's depression and bipolar issues. And how did we get onto this? Because I brought it up. Uh, yeah. That's but, not a book I recommend. No. I gotta be honest. No. I, oh. I'll be honest <laughs> with you, though. Oops. I've, I've met, some, uh, met some Irish people, and I, I remember when I went to uh, Maryvale in England, hmm. um, there was a particular lady who will never listen to this podcast if she is. Hi! But she she came in, and it was right before dinner, and the food at Maryvale... I mean, God bless the sisters who made it, but like, oh my gosh, it was not great food. And she she came in right before dinner, and she was like, oh, I'm buzzing for dinner. And I was like, what the hell does that mean, buzzing <laughs> for dinner? Anyway, and I that thought- That's a great that, Scottish accent. I know, terrible, terrible. Buzzing. She's buzzing. Anyway, yeah. And I was like, how could you buzz for dinner? And then I was thinking, is this- 
what Irish food is like. Like, if she's buzzing for dinner here. Is Irish that why all Irish people are, like, the most depressing people in the world? Is They're not what? depressing. Oh, sorry. Depressed. Depressed. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what is this episode about? Dude, it's, it's about it's, the purification. Yeah, it's about the, purifi- the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which we're technically just about to celebrate. Mm, two and, days from yeah. this release. And and something that's special to us, because our Scola Cantorum is going to be singing at a Misa Cantata for it, and mm-hmm. it's going to be great. It's our second one, too, that we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. This is the second time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris it, made it to 50% of the practices, so that's good. <sighs> yeah. It snowed. One of two. Really bad. <laughs> it, it, we got snowed in. We got we got really snowed in here. Yeah. No, it's, it's, there's quite a bit of chanting, so yeah. Aaron and I have been doing some extra practicing. Why are we talking about this? It'll be great. Okay. Well, we're talking about the purification <laughs> oh, okay. and kind of purification. why it works. Are you looking at me like I'm supposed to be leading this podcast no, right now? Okay. No, <laughs> no. You know what I found very, very interesting? And again, kind of a jab to the Nova Sordo world mm-hmm. is, uh, so I was looking through stuff on the purification and they, do they, they don't celebrate the purification so in the Nova Sordo? The, the presentation. They call it the presentation. No, but so. So they call it the presentation, right? But, but. Well, it's the presentation of our Lord. Like, it's something that also yeah, happened. It's yeah. like the circumcision. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're going to take away the emphasis on Our Lady, as they did with everything pretty much in the Nova Sordo, mm-hmm. which is another podcast topic we could get into. But the, the fact that Lutherans still celebrate the purification. Do they? They, they, they have it in their calendar. I, when I was looking it up, I was looking on different, homilies and stuff and things from it's cool we lutherans are actually they're more catholic than a lot of catholics are you sure it's not anglicans it's lutherans there's lutherans and i did say anglicans too interesting yeah i was surprised i was surprised so i mean it's kind of an interesting thing like i was reading about it in dom garanger and you were reading about it in saint bernard, bernard of clairvaux dom garanger actually quotes bernard quite a bit cool yeah, yeah. he's quoted in butler's lives of the saints as well oh is he yeah, so, you know, St. Bernard Clairvaux, he's pretty well-respected authority on this. Yeah. So, like, in Dom Garanger, he says, uh, The 40 days of Mary's purification are now completed, and she must go up to the temple there to offer to God her child, Jesus. Before following the Son and his mother in this their mysterious journey, let us spend our last few moments at Bethlehem and lovingly pondering over the mysteries at which we are going to assist. So, first of all, like, I didn't understand. So, the purification itself, was a 40-day process. Yeah. Well, do you want to do Leviticus 2? Is it Leviticus yeah, 2? Yeah, what's the groundwork, I guess, for the... Why, why there was a delay? Well, well, it says here, the law commanded that a woman who had given birth to a son should not approach the tabernacle for the term of 40 days, after which time she was to offer a sacrifice for her purification. Mm-hmm. She was to offer up a lamb as holocaust and a turtle or dove two, as a sin two, offering. Two turtle doves, I thought, isn't it? So it says turtle or dove. I didn't know that they had access to turtles. Uh, maybe that's like an OCR error. Turtle or dove. Yeah, so turtle dove as a sin offering. But if she were poor and could not provide a lamb, she was to offer in its stead a second turtle. Oh, that's why dove. That's why there's two. That's cool, eh? Like, so thinking yeah. if... The Epiphany already happened, which uh, we're not even sure if the Epiphany happened before this or after, but they, Mary already gave away all the gold that the kings gave to them. That's kind of neat. Kind of something to think about. And then also just cool to bring up in Le- it's Leviticus 12, not two. If a woman having received seed shall bear a man child, she shall be unclean seven days. And then according and then 33 days after that, like Mary was actually not even Moses foresaw Mary and she wasn't even like legalistically, she didn't actually need to do it. It's kind of cool, like because the law prescribes. Matt, can you jump in on this, please? Yeah, well, like yeah. So how Saint Bernard Clairvaux says it, he he talks about he just paraphrases it, saying if a woman conceives a child in the in the normal way, what well, like why was that provision even made? Like of of course every woman, as far as anyone knew, would conceive a child in the natural, normal way. It's kind of profound when you think about it, just like what that said, right? Like that's, yeah. that's, Mo- Moses put in a stipulation. For Mary. For Mary. For Mary. Like, and, you know, explicitly he, 
he probably didn't know he was doing that, but he was the, not the whole the, the Holy Ghost did it. Yeah, that's actually cool. Yeah. That's like um, in Genesis, let us make man in our image. Like who's saying us? Us, yeah. And like I was told to me, like if you were living, like if you were Jews at that time, you'd basically be fighting tooth and nail against polytheism. So like to put in let in us would be something pretty like dangerous because it could imply more than one God. So like yeah. why he would leave that in there? That's very. It's really cool. Let us make man in our image. That's really neat. Anyway, Trinity exists. But yeah, so Mary didn't, uh, she didn't have to do this either. So it was, yeah. I think she was following her son after the circumcision. That was the decision. Yeah. So. It, it does say here in Dom Garanger, he says, uh, by another ordinance of the law, every firstborn son was to be considered as belonging to God and was to be redeemed by five, I think it's supposed to be five shekels. Mm-hmm. Uh, each shekel weighing, according to the standard of the temple, 20 obols. So that's from Leviticus 12 as well. Yeah, so that's the presentation aspect of it, where the child would have been lifted up between two tapers and symbolically... I don't even... I'm not going to lie. I don't even fully understand it. But the child would have been symbolically like given as an offering to God between two tapers, like a burnt offering, like a real sacrifice, and then just taken home. And the parents, like, I guess that's when the child would be like redeemed and owned. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, I guess, kind of like a baptism. Yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting because he, he asks that question, uh, essentially, you know, could such a mother as Mary and such a son as Jesus be included in the laws we have just quoted? Was it becoming that Mary should observe them? If she considered the spirit of these legal enactment, enactments and why God required the ceremony of purification, it was evident that she was not bound to them. They, for whom these laws had been made, were espoused to men. Mary was the chaste spouse of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. a virgin in conceiving and a virgin in giving birth to her son. Her purity had ever been spotless as that of the angels, but it received an incalculable increase by her carrying the God of all sanctity in her womb mm. and bringing him into this world. Moreover, when she reflected upon her child being the creator and sovereign Lord of all things, how could she suppose that he was to be submitted to the humiliation of being ransomed as a slave whose life and person are not his own? And yet, the Holy Spirit revealed to Mary that she must comply with both these laws. She, the Holy Mother of God, must go to the temple like other Hebrew mothers, as though she had lost something which needed restoring by a legal sacrifice." He, that is the Son of God and Son of Man, must be treated in all things as though he were a servant and be ransomed in common with the poorest Jewish boy. Man. Mary adores the will of God and embraces it with her whole heart. For God, like, that's just one humiliation after another. Yeah. Incarnation, circumcision, like, that, he, he's like 40 days old. He's already, like, humiliated more than anyone else, like, everyone combined. Where the heck did you get that? That's amazing. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so that that's from Dom Garanger's The Liturgical Year. That sounds it's un- amazing. It's under the, uh, you just look under the purification. It's found oh, cool. in Christmas time. If you're looking in the sections, it's under the Christmas section, because mm-hmm. devotionally, we're still in yeah. Christmas. Cool. So. Hey, so the the joy, like, I have a struggle with the joyful aspects of the of the um, purification, like it's the fourth joyful mystery. I've never really understood why, but when I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking, uh, Mary is a type for like the Trinity in itself. Bear with me. I don't know if you think this, but the Trinity before creation existed was like perfectly happy with itself and it needed nothing. And it created everything, even though he, God knew that all this bad stuff would happen and he'd have to redeem us with his own blood and humiliate himself in the presentation. He did all of this. And I kind of see that as a type in Mary and Joseph here, because like, has the Holy Family, they were, they were completely satisfied amongst themselves. Like they needed nothing. And, and the, the, the purification presentation as I was seeing has the beginning. Uh, it has a very sad aspect. Mary, this is Mary saying like, yes, it's the first, it's the first sorrowful servite in the servite rosary. It's the first sorrow, like the first, uh, sword of sorrow through Mary's heart is the, presentation as well like the prophecy of Simeon. the prophecy of Simeon. so yeah this is it's it's 
the the joy at Mary's expense of of like this is the beginning of our redemption right here. Mm-hmm. Like that's incredibly joyful. And uh, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux likens it to the morning offering because uh, in some psalm I don't even know which one. Um, but it's just like the morning offering and like his his crucifixion is the evening offering. And this one is like joyful and only just people, the four of them, Mary, Joseph, Anna, and Simeon are there. It's like the first procession. It's supposed to be the biggest procession in the year. It's like full of joy and like newborn and. It's really great, but I'm not going to lie. Like when I'm praying the joyful mysteries, that's not quite enough for me. Does you guys have any other like joyful aspects of this? I, we talked about this a little bit. I, th- I still think like meditating on our lady's humility and obviously our Lord's obedience and human, he preordained all these acts of humility. But like, you know, as far as the world was concerned, seeing our lady, they, they didn't know she consumed, conceived the son miraculously and like, True, the truly humble, um, in Butler's Lives of Saints, he talks about how they're, they're not just resigned to the fact that they're, they're, people won't know this about them, but they're even desirous of being abased and not know, mm-hmm. like not renowned to the world. So like she went to the temple being like, Oh, good. Now people won't know that there was anything special about <laughs> this that, yeah. you know, I'm not glorified in their eyes because only God is good. And like, what? like just meditating on her humility, I think is very joyful. Yeah, yeah. And what she had to do at the temple too, her humility, like she was, yeah. uh, there's some, some walk. Like some she had to walk. Yeah. Seven? So in Butler's, like, he just says she walked several miles. So there she is carrying God incarnate. <laughs> She's walking several miles to the temple, but she can't just go to the temple. She stops at the gate because she was, you know, in the eyes of everyone around. Oh, she was impure. She was ritually impure. And so the priest had to come out to meet her. Oh. And like, and they sprinkle her with blood of like a sacrificed lamb. I read that somewhere too. Like, like, yeah. I thought that's very moving too. Getting sprinkled with the blood of a lamb, Mary at the purification. I don't, you know, obviously her son is the, the one sacrificial lamb and here she is just in the temple. Pure, yeah. but it's just, it's a bizarre, it's just a bizarre thought process. And then even, even thinking about carrying this baby into the temple, who is literally the God holding all of this in existence, but this just this tiny yeah. little and human. It's, is and being, it's his temple. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's entering his, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Dom Gerger says, uh, talking about that process, it says, you know, Joseph is carrying the humble offering, which the mother is to give to the priest. So don't gone, don't garage points out the fact that Mary is the one who finally has to hand her son over. Um, they're too poor to buy a lamb besides their Jesus is the lamb of God who taketh away the sins oh, of the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the law should, required that a turtle dove should be offered in the place of a lamb when the mother was poor. Innocent birds, emblems of purity, fidelity, and simplicity. Joseph has also provided the five shekels, the ransom to be given for the firstborn son, Mary's only son, who is vouchsafed to make his brethren, and by adopting our nature, to render us partakers of his. So cool. So cool. Something else that kind of stuck out to me, too. He says that at length the Holy Family entered Jerusalem. The name of this holy city signifies vision of peace, and Jesus comes to bring her peace. Let us consider the names of the three places in which our Redeemer began, continued, and ended his life on earth. He is conceived at Nazareth, which signifies a flower, and Jesus, as he tells us in the canticle, the flower of the field and the lily of the valley. So that's from canticle 2, verse 1. Um, By whose fragrance we are refreshed. He is born at Bethlehem, which is the house of bread, for he is the nourishment of our souls. He dies on the cross in Jerusalem, and by his blood he restores peace between heaven and earth, peace between men, peace within our own souls. And on this day of his mother's purification, we shall find him giving us the pledge of this peace. So it's kind of like a foreshadowing Mm -hmm. of, of his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That's so cool. We should be so joyful. The purification. Yeah. You're prepping for the purification. like, And then it's an <clears throat> echo of Abraham offering up Isaac. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it, Abraham prophesies right there. It's kind of funny how he would just come up, roll off his lips. Don't worry, Isaac. God himself will provide a, a sheep for the offering. Like, in, when, when he takes his son off and they, they find... They, they remember they find a sheep with like its its horns caught in a bush, but he's saying God Himself will provide a victim. Like yeah. so, and that this is the ultimate fulfillment of that, yeah. or the beginning of it. Which and that's that. What it always comes back to in our Lord and our Our Lady, their like their sorrow was always tempered with joy, but their joy was tempered 
with sorrow as well. Mm-hmm. Like there was, it was kind of always intermingled. So Our Lady, yeah, that song, Mary, did you know? The answer to all those questions is yes. But like, <laughs> I, like she had, you know, a perfect intellect. human intellect. Yeah. I think she knew all this. She knew exactly, like she knew Abraham said, God will provide his own victim. Like she knew, she knew what she was presenting here. She may not have known exactly how everything was going to play out, but so even in her joy that yes, this like the Messiah is being offered, like there were there was sorrow there too. Yeah, it's kind of like coming. Whenever any baby's born, you know, a very depressed person would be like, ah, they're just gonna die soon. Which, but like <laughs> that's that's what's here, right? Like you're joyful for the birth, but like she knows the death already. Whenever, yeah, but it which, certainly wouldn't have troubled her internally, right? I mean, yeah, like that would not have moved her to any. It would, she just would have had complete trust in God at that moment. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So Dom Garger also mentions the fact that so they ascend into the temple, and the interesting context of that is that the the temple that they entered is not the magnificent temple of Solomon, which was destroyed by fire during Jewish captivity. Um, it is the second temple, which was built after the return from Babylon, and is not comparable to the first in beauty. Before the century is out, it is also to be destroyed, and our Savior will soon tell the Jews that not a stone shall remain on stone that shall not be thrown down. Now, the prophet Aegeus, in order to console the Jews who had returned from banishment... Hold on, who's the prophet Aegeus? Oh! Prophet Haggai? Oh, yeah. See, I need to learn more. Oh. Yeah, the the alternate names, eh? So that is, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Isn't that a book? <laughs> the Bible. Yeah. See, I, it may if he had said Haggai. He is known for his prophecy commanding the Jews to rebuild the temple. His name means my holiday. <laughs> nice. So anyway, yeah. So back to to Saint Aegeus, or sorry, to uh, the prophet Aegeus. So he says. Um, in order to console the Jews who had returned from banishment and were grieving because they were unable to raise a house to the Lord, equal in splendor to that built by Solomon, address these words to them which mark the time of the coming of the Messiah. Quote, take courage, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and take courage, O Jesus, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and take courage, all ye people of the land. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet one little while, and I will move the heaven and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will move all nations, and the desired of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. Great shall be the glory of this house, more than of the first, and in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So, Jesus coming into the temple was that desired peace, that glory that was to fill the temple. And he came in and fulfilled that prophecy mm-hmm. by entering in his purification. Because that was his first time he was there in bodily form. Because, <laughs> I mean, his presence had been there yeah. prior to that. <laughs> Lucky turtle doves that were traded for our Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, only two of them got that honor. Yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. sweet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's something that's joyful is the fact that I mean, in the in the purification, he was he was fulfilling prophecies from the Old Testament too. Aaron, why don't you? Aaron's Aaron's been bugging our community for years. Actually, he's just been bugging me for a year. About two. the procession? Yeah. Why don't you describe your ideal purification procession? Well, this is the first. This is the first procession that's ever happened in the in our church. The purification, like with like like having a purification. No, procession. but it, it is well, and it's just the yeah, it is a procession. It's like the prototype. But, for we, the pur- but we but we've had other processions in our community. No, no, no. no I no, just no, mean no. like like our blessed Lord coming into the temple. That like, that was the first proce- procession ever. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, like they didn't allow processions at Citeaux, um, his monastery, except the uh, the purification. Oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty wild. Eh? So it's a really ancient procession. It's ancient, and yeah, I've always wanted to like buy you know guns and cannons and flowers and rose petals and pretty girls and soldiers. Like there would be fireworks, buy fireworks, pretty, pretty girls. Well, and get, soldiers. get them all in there. Throw them in there. Why not? I just wanted to buy them. Oh, okay. Shut up. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it'd be a it'd be quite it'd be quite the feat if you could pull it off, especially given that February second in Canada is not. Usually the greatest weather. What's wait, the wait, shouldn't we briefly mention the Church of Women? Well, we should talk about the sorrowful aspects of the Why? purification. You're just going to get more down. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just shell-shocked at trying to even think about the purification. 
It's just like there's nothing. I don't even get Why it. Why the sorrowful aspects? It's a joyful mystery. It's very important though. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Mary. She th- she she literally gives up her son. She's like saying like, yes, you can be crucified. Like this is her first and original ascent to it. Like how horrible. Did she know he was going to be crucified? Yes. I think so. Yeah. I totally think. Well, it I was think, in the prophets. I think, yeah. I knew she would like, she would look at his hands and like, eh, I guess so she's in the, and the, and some, some saints said that at the, at the prophecy of Simeon, she was infused with a certain amount of knowledge about his sufferings. Mm. So like, I guess like what's joyful and then what's sorrowful about it is like Mary or like, and how she's a type for the Trinity. She's just doing this all for you. Like, that's great, but it's, it's horribly sad too. How this, this Mary, like the most sinless and perfect person has to just give up so much. Like think of yeah. the holy, the holiest person is the one who suffers most, but she's totally resigned to it. Like this it would not have, that's the thing we think about sorrows and like they trouble us. It, it wouldn't have troubled her. Her suffering would have been immense, but like her confidence in God would not have been shaken. Yeah. But like, this is tear, like a billion of suffering. Like, okay. Matt, like I know no, no, like you're Mary. You, you love God the most out of every creature. Like inf- infinitely more, not infinitely more, but you love Mary, like every creature's charity towards God added up wouldn't equal Mary's. And the one thing you are asked to do is assent to your creator being crucified. That, yeah. That's, you can't, you can't imagine that. That's retarded. Yeah, but we also, like, that's ridiculous. Like her, I think her consolations were also unimaginable too. Yeah. Like, yeah, what, what does that even look like? I don't know. That's like, that's, that's ridiculous. But we've, we've I mean, it's mind blowing. Like, there's like that song, right? The Mary, there's no Mary. sorrow like unto my sorrow. An ocean, an ocean of bitterness. Yeah. But I mean, pure, pure, also still pure faith, right? Like, I mean, there's, there, there's like suffering without an ounce of despair. Yeah. Which is, which yeah, is which is pretty, pretty cool to think about. But I don't know. It's, it's just mind blowing. I can't even like, can't even talk about it. It's just, how can, how can, it's very joyful. Thank you, Mary. I guess that's yeah. what the purification's all about, right? You're just saying like, thanks. It's funny. I always found this one of the hardest of the, no, it still is the hardest joyful mystery to meditate on. And I remember asking Aaron for ideas on what to meditate on. He's like, well, it's the first procession of our Lord. I don't know what's so joyful about that. I was like, oh, great. Well, thanks for giving me information. <laughs> Chris, what the heck do you think about when you're meditating on this in your rosary? Honestly, it is literally usually what you were talking about, but Mary presenting our Lord as like a sacrifice in anticipation of the cross. Yeah. Like, like it's an, it's like a, there's, what do you call it? Like there's nothing joyful about that. It's like, how oh, the, like the fourth joy- joyful mystery, Mary assenting to the person she loves the most being crucified. I find it so frustrating. Wait, but isn't it joyful that, it's frustrating. that she assented to it, and but then our Lord also condescended and was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do for you. How is that not joyful? That's ridiculous. You know, it's like, it, I guess it's the church comes just, up with, like, it's like talking about the happy fault of Adam. Yeah. Just like that's, what's happy about all the destruction that has come in the wake of Adam and Eve's sin? But like, oh, happy fault. They mean that. Like, the church is not exaggerating when they... So, oh, happy fault is saying that, like, that merited for us so great a savior. Yeah, that we actually have humans were given a, a capability to become higher in the hierarchy because of our blessed Lord. Exactly. We but there's still a lot of negative aspects. A lot of people are going to hell because of their, and fault. they'll be deeper in hell because of it. Yeah. Right? So again, there's both. And, and that's, that's the tough part, especially Aaron introduced me to the Servite Rosary. Man, that's the, that's the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows. Rosary of the Seven yeah, Sorrows. It's like you said, it's the first sorrow too. For sword of our lady, for sword going through, like when he said, "A sword, your own soul shall pierce." She felt it then too. Like obviously, it was much more acute at the crucifixion, but yeah. So I have a hard time with yeah. That's why I have such a hard time with this because it's just like you think the purification. You're like Mary, but I guess it's just like I was saying, like the Trinity. Like the Trinity had to create us, and he he knew what was going to happen. Like how sorrowful is even that? Like I'm really happy for the creation, but like at what cost are we cre- were you even created because he our, god knew that even the sins we would commit or humanity would commit like what a price like think of what's going on in the world today or just think of the purification right like what just a think price. Of, just think about our own personal sins like yeah. how how god has not justly smited smited us like come on like that's such love but you know even still i guess he, he willingly took I on guess, our flesh yeah. and was like 
Yeah, you guys really messed yeah, up. Right. I'm going to come and fix it for a lot of you. I guess that's... This is such an experience. <laughs> really, he redeemed feast. us all. That's what's so joyful. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, God, you're so loving. Yeah. Cheers. I, cheers. That's, cheers. that's <laughs> worthy of cheers. I mean, yeah. it, it's hard to think of it. Is there anything <laughs> in the gospel that is just pure unalloyed joy? No, not really. Well, if you have the right perspective, but like pure unalloyed joy, I guess that doesn't preclude sorrow. Our lady did have pure joy in her life as well. That's true. But there's a difference between sorrow and and yeah, when it's tainted by despair or the negative, yeah. the mm. negative a side, lack, of a experience lack of faith or a lack of lack, lack of trust. Faith. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, you know what's interesting? You bring up the Servite Rosary, and I know this is a little bit off topic, but when I was at Franciscan, uh, go on. <laughs> I my my household had a devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. Wow, good. And so um, we would pl- we would pray the the chaplet of, of Our Lady of Sorrows. At the seven stars. And after I, after I left Franciscan, life got a little tough. Uh, and I had, I had, a, I had a pretty dark period in my faith and a lot of struggles and a lot of, yeah, a lot of just like wrestling with, with our Lord. And I recall a moment where I was, I was living on my own. I was sitting in my apartment and it was the middle of Lent and it was coming up to Good Friday. That's the worst time. And I went into a box and I found this old guide to praying the Servite Rosary. And it had meditations along with it. And I oh, you remember... Cried. You cried like a little baby, didn't I, you? <laughs> I sat on the floor and I prayed this Servite Rosary and it broke me. Wow. It broke me. And I and I really think Our Lady in that moment was, I mean, healing probably a lot of wounds or whatever that that were there. Um but I mean I don't think we give Our Lady of Sorrows enough credit. I I do. I think I think our devotion to her needs to be so much more mm-hmm. in our lives. Because you know I I can legitimately point to that moment and see that as a particular moment of grace in my life that led me back to going back to confession after not going for two and a half years. Wow. You know, um, so, you know, I think, I think the sorrows of our lady, yeah, it (laughs) was really tough, you know, but I mean, like you said, it is a, a happy fault because without, without, you know, the sin, we wouldn't know such sweetness, such kindness of our Lord, nor would we know it of our lady. Yeah. You know? Well, and what does that prophecy say? Her soul will be pierced, mm-hmm. but why? So that out of the hearts of many, thoughts may be revealed. And actually, that's why Father Ripiger talks about devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows being so important to root, and you ask her specifically to reveal to you your dominant fault. And, and I guess that's a fairly old practice in the church that that prophecy of Simeon, that's a thing. See, Our Lady, she, she would have heard that. Maybe she probably even understood the implications of that, that out of the Hearts of many thoughts may be revealed. And she's like, perfect. This is exactly what God wants me to do with this. Like she, yeah, she wouldn't, you know, you even think about her at the scourging, like there was no inward focus there. It was just, you know, her thoughts were probably at that moment. Like we need, I need to make sure not a drop of this blood goes, precious blood goes to waste. Like, you know, in whatever way she could do that. But yeah, there's, it's, it's always commingled there. Mm-hmm. joy and sorrow in her do you do you guys think this is completely off topic and not where i expected this podcast to go do you guys think that the fifth marian dogma should be the co-redemptrix oh is that like in the Vat- what original schema of vatican ii was that in the was that- i've heard it that it was supposed to be talked about I don't. I don't know for certain. All those original schemata were thrown out Mary- well anyway i think in answer to your question I don't know because I don't have the authority to say so, but like probably <laughs> like, Mary, like if you read old, like St. Alphonsus Liguri, like the glories of Mary, he gives deity like powers to Mary that like just are so I'm like, wow, if Mary's this big, then like, what must God be like? Like, so yes, everyone is saved through Mary, according to St. Alphonsus Liguri, like everyone receives their grace through Mary. She mediates all grace. Mm-hmm. So like, yes. And our blessed Lord wanted it that it's really funny too. I must say. I don't know if this is blasphemous or not, but when I think about sinning and I think about our Lord, 
I don't, it's, I, okay, I, I find it, I feel, this is a feeling, I feel it easier to not care, but it really, like, gets you to the heart if you think about Mary. Because, like, for some reason, you're just like, oh, God, he can, he can take it, right? He's God, you know, mortal sin, whatever. But, like, if you think about Mary and, like, the purification and at the cross, like, not only are you offending God, which for some reason is, seems a little too easy, but you're also, like, you're putting a, a sword through Mary's heart. And, like, Mary, yeah. So, I don't know. I've, anyway, Mary does a lot for all of us. And co-redemptress, sure. I don't really know what, like, but I don't know what the implications of that mean. So, yeah. like, who knows? But I don't know. Yeah. Do you, where, where is this from? I don't know. Well, I, I, at Franciscan University, um, there's a, a, a really cool, um, Mariologist there by the name of Dr. Mark Maravalli. And this is kind of his thing. Like, he really feels that, you know, the fifth Marian dogma needs to be pronounced essentially to like open up the way for like the, uh, the consecration the, of the, Russia. Yeah. And like all of that, like yeah. for, for like the final, you know, the, the triumph of the immaculate heart to happen. Hmm. He feels like that's, that needs to happen. He's, hmm. he's all about it. Yeah. yeah those are I mean, paired, right? The mediatrix of all graces and co-redemptrix. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly not a new idea. No. Can you imagine the PR around that? That would be, you know, even when, Immaculate, or heck, transubstantiation. Protestants pretend that that's when the dogma was invented. It wasn't. It just had to be proclaimed because there was a bunch of fighting about it. So, you know, these things are proclaimed in, in perfect time. It doesn't always, my thoughts are not your thoughts, the Lord says, and his ways aren't our ways. So it, the timing may not make sense to some people, but yeah, I guess it has to be done eventually, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's usually like with Marian dogmas in particular, it's usually in response to some sort of heresy, right? Like that that's spread around. So yeah, and I kind of think I kind of wonder what like what we're going to see. In how, how do how do yeah. we how do we weave that into modernism? Oh, like, that's what I love. <laughs> Father Ricker talks about. He thinks that's why God is allowing modernism to to rear its ugly head, and that it. Every everything looks like it's falling away. Like nobody's putting up a good fight against this. But since she destroys all heresies, modernism as the synthesis of all heresies is going to be her victory to crush its head. And mm. he, he's like, you know, that maybe that's an explanation for why it is just so rampant. I like cool. Interesting. I yeah, the little office of blessed Virgin Mary has an antiphon: "Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, for thou hast destroyed all oh, heresies." Like, and so I just good. find like the word "all" put in there, like she's. All, like since the beginning she's destroyed all heresies that's like quite a bold statement I, you know so obviously mm -hmm. it's nothing new I don't know how old that antiphon is but yeah. St. Maximilian Kobe includes that in his uh, in his Militia Maculata uh, consecration too and oh really whatnot. oh yeah yeah it's great you know, and, and, and that's part of the, the whole, oh Mary conceived without sin and pray for us oh that's, that the... Jewish guy said that Mary told him that that's <laughs> yes, her favorite prayer, prayer. <laughs> Roy oh. Shulman but in the vision, she, she said it in, in Portuguese. Portuguese. Why not? She said, "Why not?" That yeah, was kind of cute. Do you, um, do you think that guy's legit? More showman? Mm -hmm. The okay, well, like salvation is from the Jews guy. That's the same guy, right? Yep. Honey from the Rock is another book I read about a bunch of Jewish converts. Is he legit? I have no reason to doubt. Yeah, this story. I it sounds legit. Yeah. Like the apparition that he had, or the yeah. vision that he had. Because because I listened to one talk, and again, I don't know everything about him, so. But the, the one talk I heard him give, he, like, kind of sidesteps on transubstantiation as to what it really means. He's like, I do not really know what that actually means, but, you know. Uh, do I know what it actually yeah, means? Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> like, like um, I, I know it means the substance changes, but... Mm, he was but, but, do, but do we know that it's actually Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, but, but he kind of... I don't know. It took him two years to come to the Catholic Church after his vision of Mary, though. Eh? Like, that's what... I thought that was cool. That that was a good indicator for me. If it takes two years, and then he said, oh, I went to one church, but they were confused. Like, the one Catholic church, and they were confused. So he's, he's a little bit of a trad, too, clearly. Mm. And uh, I don't know. If it takes you that long, and you're thinking it through, it wasn't impulsive. That's what I'm thinking, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, no, like the the thing about coming back to the purification of of Mary, it's so interesting how in the m modern Novus Ordo world, how like we were talking about this on one of the other podcasts about like how these Jewish things 
have been forgotten. Like, I mean, the, the fact that we have the procession, which would be like the procession of Mary into the temple with the child Jesus. Where did that go? You know, and, and like we were talking about the, you know, Nostra Aetate and opening up doors to, to ecumenism and, you know, especially with Jews and Muslims and whatnot. I mean, like, I feel like pre-Vatican II, it may have been easier to point Jews to the church and say, like, look how much we celebrate things that you celebrate. Yeah. You know? As, like, I mean, even just down to the purification. Yeah, this was actually kind of like what the the procession into the temple would have been kind of like, you know? We're celebrating that. Yeah. And we we kind of still have a modern equivalent of it. Although, you know, it's 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 not because of any ritual and clean, cleanliness. That idea has been superseded in the new testament but the churching of women the churching of women i mean that would be i think that would be a familiar concept at least to any jewish converts so i wonder how many people have heard of that and it's yeah the churching shadows it shadows kind of the purification now that we're talking about it. like so the woman comes with her child as soon as the rubric say as soon as she's able after childbirth but yeah. she has up to 40 days or and um she has up to 40 days just like the purification just yep. like the purification um, yes, yeah, women are actually, um, dispensed, dispensed thank from you, their obligation, from their obligation to go to church. And then they kneel outside the church. It's kind of like a baptism. I don't really understand why they do that, but like the, in a, like in the narthex or whatever. yeah, just yeah. at the outside door and the priest puts a stole over them. They say a bunch of prayers. They're quite beautiful prayers. I read them over today and yeah, it's basically just a special blessing. And I'm not, but, but then the, yeah, she gets let in, let in, let into the church, holding onto the priest stole. Holding on to the priest stole. It's so fatherly. After I had to raise a man, that's what I when I was. And reading it's a it. nice like welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Like you, you were gone for a little bit. Here, yeah. you're you're back in our community, and we actually missed you, and we recognized that your presence was gone. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I mean, how many people yeah. hemorrhage out of the Novus Ordo Church, and nobody blinks an eye? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no, there's no, there's no acknowledgement. Oh, thanks. We're it's, glad you're back. It's, like, my trads are more joyful too. Like, she gets to hold a candle. There's yeah. like a procession, or can be, with like psalm singing. Like, man, it's just an excuse to drink more whiskey after mass. Frankly, like, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Lots of reasons to celebrate. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's I, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I know it still happens. I've seen it happen a few times, but but not in our current church community. I don't know how common the churching of women is in trad parishes nowadays, though. Hey, if they said it was in Windsor, though, they did it. Anyone sends in a churching of women, like them getting churched in the last year, I will send them $20. That's (laughs) Canadian. Canadian. Canadian, yeah. So that's like $3 American. Yeah. 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 You can buy a, I don't know, pop. A few chickens. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Six gallons of milk. Yeah. But yeah, so so is that legit? So if you've been churched in the last year, you get twenty bucks. Yeah, why not? Sure, fine. Okay, you can you can first, submit first, that first two people. Yeah, first two. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not doing this for everyone. Okay, so. <laughs> so if if you have been churched in the last year, you can send a picture as proof to theologyofthebuddy at gmail dot com, and uh, you'll get twenty bucks from Aaron right of his Dear, special stuff. That, that's from The Simpsons. You remember that? No. When, oh, when Krusty and Gabbo was coming to town? No. And Krusty's like, if you watch this show, I will send you $40. And then they have the little disc, like, checks will not be honored. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, well, anyway. Well, what's uh, another interesting aspect of the Feast of the Purification is its other name, which is Candlemas. Oh, yeah. 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 What the heck? Yeah. Candles. I forgot. So, for anyone who has not read the blessings of the candles done on Candlemas Day... Go to your missile right now and read those blessings. I think that is it five different prayers said over the candles. A lot. Yeah, there's five prayers. They're they're beautiful. They're beautiful. So make sure. Is this going up before the purification? Yeah, Two days before. before. Yeah. Make sure you get your candles ready and you bring them to church and you tell the priest you want them to be blessed. Candlemas candles are something very special about them. You know, it's it's a, it's another one of those kind of old u- church uber blessings beautiful blessings it's like a, it's like the epiphany water version of candle blessing yeah and I, actually i'm busy making candles right now in anticipation of this i'm making beeswax candles yeah if you've been churched in the last year write to theology of the buddy and he'll send you a candle too yeah well, uh, we can't even charge them for him because they're blessed <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah no one of the things that was cool about the blessed candles too from Candlemas. It says that the blessed candles ought also to be lit near the bed of the dying Christian as a symbol of the immortality merited for us by Christ and the protection of 
our blessed lady. So that's, the, that's yeah, a cool. Um, that's amazing. So yeah, you keep purification candles for when you're dying. For when you're dying. Yeah, Saint Faustina. They, that was in the the diary. She had they had candles when people were dying. See, what are we missing? You know, I must say though, charismatics, coolest thing I ever heard. I remember someone was dying at home. I can't even remember who it was, but they just said like, "Oh, we all just stood around the bed and prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet." I'm like, wow, like that's that's legit faith right there. Like, who does that anymore? Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's like, oh, we didn't call a hospital or an ambulance. We just prayed the Divine Mercy <laughs> Chaplet. I love it. They oh just, my gosh! All they need, no, they no. That's I'm sure. I think it was like an intent, like a, a foreseen death. They were, yeah. they saw it coming. So yeah, it would have happened before the priest got out of bed. Is um, <laughs> is there still? I I know you can get candle cannabis candles. Is there still, is, what's the blessing like in the Novus Order? Do either of you guys know? Do they actually do a blessing? I've, I've never, never seen, seen a blessing. We should probably, I, I, like, I, I think it'd be nice to mention some of the things that are mentioned in the blessings. I don't know, but. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The fi- these five I've got right here. Oh man, they're amazing. Yeah. We got it right here, man. Uh, so the blessing of the candles, there's five of them, right? And do you want, do you want to read it in English or in Latin? Do you think our, our listeners Oh, they're fine with Latin. Okay, so another yeah, go on, Chris. So uh the yeah, the first one, right? So it says, As soon as all is prepared, the priest goes up to the altar and thus begins the blessing of the candles. Holy Lord, Father Almighty and Eternal God, who didst create all timings out of nothing and by the labor of the bees, following thy commands, has brought this liquor to the perfection of wax, and who on this day didst accomplish the desire of the righteous Simeon. We humbly beseech thee that by the invocation of thy most holy name, and by the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, or Blessed Mary, ever a virgin, whose festival we this day devoutly celebrate, and by the prayers of all thy saints, thou which vouchsafe to bless and sanctify these candles for the service of men and for the good of their bodies and souls in all places, whether on sea or on land, and that thou wouldst please mercifully to hear from thy holy temple and from thy th- from the throne of thy majesty the prayers of this thy people, who desire to carry them in their hands with reverence and with sacred hymns to praise thy name and show mercy to all that cry unto thee, whom thou hast redeemed by the precious blood of thy beloved Son, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost, world without end. Amen. Yeah, man, and there are five of these. I really... Another thing I love about the traditional mass is how many shadows bees get. Bees get like like in the in the, in the exalted in the exalted too. Oh, yeah. I know you can't like if you're a tried you can't have any type of candle except beeswax candles. It's kind of just like oh man, it's embarrassing to have these vanilla and berry amber handcrafted scented candles, Chris. <laughs> no, nobody's <laughs> dude, walking from, in the procession with a. That's from candle. Hobby Lobby, and it smells so good. Oh, though. No. Can you technically bring? It says you can bring any candles. Yeah, you can yeah. bring any candles, but like, who wants to bring like a paraffin wax candle yeah. when they're talking about bees? Like the, the priest time. is literally saying the liquor of uh, the, bee- these bees have turned into wax. Yeah, and like you're like, yeah, well, mine was made by like some oil and gas company. I think the, the festival day too. It just makes me get all celebratory. We yeah. should be celebrating something. Purification. Yeah, it was saying here also from Dom Garnier. The mystery of today's ceremony has frequently been explained by liturgists. Dating from the 7th century, according to St. Evo of Chartres in his second sermon of the, on the purification, the wax which is formed from the juice of flowers by the bee, which has always been considered as the emblem of virginity, signifies the virginal flesh of the divine infant, who diminished not, either by his conception or by his birth, the spotless purity of his blessed mother. The same holy bishop would have us see in the flame of our candle the symbol of Jesus who came to enlighten our darkness. St. Anselm, Archbishop of Canterbury, speaking on the same mystery, bids us consider three things in the blessed candle, the wax, the wick, and the flame. The wax, he says, which is the production of the virginal bee, is the flesh of our Lord. The wick which is within is his soul. The flame which burns on top is his divinity. Cool. It is cool. Cool. You know, I know like this is like maybe simple, but like one, I don't know why this struck me the other day and I just didn't know this like a million years ago, like 20 years ago, but like light is a really cool symbol. I know it's so <laughs> but like it, it can't be overcome by darkness. Even if you have like the tiniest candle, you could have all the darkness in the universe. Like, and it, it you know, like it, yeah, or just like think like how far does like starlight travel? That's really cool. Or like, I'm assuming if you had a powerful enough magnet, the light from your small candle would go all the way across. That's just 
I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm, I know that's like super simple, but like, and you guys are all laughing at me. No, it, but like, it, it also just, helps you to appreciate the real versus the, like, I mean, light is, you know, we've been talking about this lately about how much more real spiritual things are, right? And like candles, I guess, help you, especially when you think the light darkness thing, because darkness is, it's not really a thing. Yeah. It's the absence it's the, of light. It's the absence of light. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, cool. yeah. I've actually been, been, it's funny, I've been kind of meditating on that lately, just on like, on the idea of reality. Um, mm-hmm. cause I was, I went over and I visited a friend, um, and he owns one of those virtual reality headset things. Oh, I've made a vow to myself never to look in one of those. And anyway, it know. was, uh, it's very interesting because I was thinking about the fact that our whole lives essentially is like living our life with a VR headset on. I was, that's you know. Right. Darn, I already have one on. Ah, that's <laughs> right up in my back. No, but I was just talking about that. Remember when, like, how when you're in adoration, you, I don't know if this is an apt, like, example, whatever. Like, when you're in adoration, like, sitting in front of the tabernacle, like, you're, how you view reality, like, what the heck is reality? Like, you have this little bubble of, like, what you can, your senses can see and even what you can imagine. But, like, God right in front of you, the creator of the universe with, like, his, like, infinite charity which you would usually is like described by like a flame is like surrounding you and he's like loving you and like he was waiting for you to come there so much and like his flame is literally like surrounding getting as close as he can to to you without like just you seeing them i don't know just because he likes to hide himself but like same same like like you're missing it like when you're in front of a tabernacle the reality that's there is staggering you just you can't see the reality but it's, 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 it's crazy. That's, probably, that's the, kill us if we saw it. That's right? the adorate devote, right? Like we, here we are contemplating you with totally deficient senses. And, and one of the lines that says on the cross lay hidden your divinity, but here your humanity is also hidden from us. Hmm. And you know, all right. Yeah. Our senses fail us. It, it is. Yeah. Content. We were meditating on the real. That's a capital art. Yeah. It, it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah, the idea of like that at the end of this life, it's like you know Curtain the headset is oh, removed, the, v- the VR headset, yeah. and you and you look around and you're <laughs> like, you know, you've had encounters kind of with this world, but you haven't known it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're like, oh, that was just a shadow of what is real. You know, just like playing Skyrim doesn't actually look like oh, the real thing. Chris, now <laughs> every time I read. Any book that says, and then the veil was dropped, I'm going to be, and then the VR headset was removed <laughs> for the rest of my life. And the VR headset was removed. That's actually, that was one of the things that got me thinking about that. The first thing I can remember, at least, was Monsignor Benson's Lord of the World. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the woman at, well, it's no, no spoiler, but the one of the women at the end dying, actually, doesn't she... Like she submits to euthanasia or something. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. It talks about how, and then the veil dropped, and she saw. Ah. And it ends the ch- the chapter ends kind of like yeah. I remember it like with a snap. It was like you know like, and then the veil dropped, and she yeah. saw, and I was like, whoa, yeah, I don't want that. That's scary. <laughs> that, but supposedly Pope was it Pope Benedict or Pope Francis that suggested everyone read Lord of the World. Pope Francis mentioned that. Pope, when. Really? Yep, he did. Weird. Yeah. When? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Yeah, it was just mentioned. He, he, like, he likes good stories. I don't know. <laughs> he, maybe he sees himself at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, he sees uh, us where we are in the current times oh, that's in weird. that story. Cool. I don't remember there being an Andy Pope in Lord of the World. No. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. That episode is over. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and everything he said in the last episode was <laughs> null and void. <laughs> what did I say? In the, what was you apologize? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wrap up with something <sighs> nice, jovial, jovial. The purification. Do you have anything in mind? What should people do if they don't have an available Latin mass? Well, you should move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, okay, yeah. But in the meantime, while you're, while you're while you're selling your house, what you should do? Do you have a Latin mass for the purification in two oh. days from now? You read, should read 
like get yourself a missile and read. Oh yeah, or do that Dom Garanger, whatever. Oh, yeah. he's, the liturgical uh, year is amazing. Most importantly, though, get a bucket of Hagen Dazs. Yeah, yeah. Mickey a whiskey if that's your thing, or wine or whatever, and like go out that more. Wake up extra early, do some prayers, go grab a coffee. That's a prayer. Yeah. yeah, take the day off work. Screw that. It's purification. That's nah, a Saturday. It's, it's perfect. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, I'm working that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you going to mass? That... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I just moved He's my shift chanting up. Chanting to... with us. Oh yeah, that sucks. That's. <laughs> what are you doing that day? Anyway, I don't know. Make sure you make it a special day. Yeah. It is a special day, so just live up to that day. You know, some people are probably lucky enough that they there are still big candlemas processions. I don't know. Oh, that'd be. So I don't know if there there probably are some in the probably states. states. Yeah. And then in Europe, yeah. I know to the day. Probably in Toronto. No, I, well, I don't know. I, I They have to get permits to have, just to walk out in the street around the church. Oh, man. I think I, yeah, I was at Candlemas two years ago in Toronto, and that's that's why they said we didn't do one. Oh, no, that's for Corpus Christi, because they'd have to get a city permit. Yeah, what are you going to do? I just would have done it anyway. Church law. Get arrested. Perfect. Hmm. I know. I'm sorry. This po- I'm sorry. This podcast. What are we doing with our lives? What? What? It's so much easier to scandal podcast. What? What's similar to an emo kid and this podcast? What? A lot of it's getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Amazing. Hey, you can put that right in the intro before Julie's <laughs> intro. <laughs> That's funny. Do we have a wrap-up talk or anything like that? Yeah. What are we gonna talk about at the let's, end? Let's. Also, yeah. I I will note. The, the Novus Ordo, how they take away emphasis of Our Lady? Yeah. They they don't. The medievals took away emphasis of Our Lady for January 1st. It was always a feast of Our Lady. Yeah, that's It true. wasn't called the circumcision. Yep, I know. Yeah. But St. Bernard of Clairvaux only... Don Gerger talks about that. It was a feast of Our Lady. Yeah. I, oh, I meant to apologize about that, the podcast after the feast of the circumcision, too. It's like yeah. I was pushing circumcision, but yeah, it's not all about the circumcision, baby. Well, there's both. It's both. Okay, we need a wrap-up topic. This is frustrating. That's cool that we talked about this as a survey rosary, too. It's just weird. I find it's like it's both sorrowful and joyful at the same time. Yeah, like yeah. all of Scripture. Well, what about, like, what are the other joyful mysteries? The Annunciation? That's pretty joyful. I guess it's... It's joyful, but, I mean, if she knew the implications... Yeah, of course she did. She knew, like, she was waiting for... What about finding our Blessed Lord in the Temple? That, that was, sucks. That was joyful. That's one of the sorrows. Yeah, but he finds her. When he found her, it was all joy. And then can you believe, like... Yeah, we lady, saw the like, sorrowing. Yeah, like she was... She went to tell him, like, how broken hers and Joseph's hearts were. Yeah. yeah. That's that's crazy. And then also she kind of, like, reprimands God. Son, didn't you know we'd be looking for you? Like, well, I had to get to work, Mom. And then she's like, no, come back with us. And did, he submitted himself. Did you figure how, how, how great would it have been if she had been like, son, what is that to me or to the, your time has not yet come. Get oh, your bike. Oh, that would have been <laughs> You're right. And then he just went to live in obscurity with them. Hey, we should talk about the lunar eclipse. It's, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. It's let's end with that. Because we people. did talk about. It's we too talk, late. For the no, we it talked too about, late for the future people. Yeah, but you could talk about that you're going to go. <laughs> yeah. We're not. And then, like, if you looked out at the lunar eclipse on that night, we were also looking out on it, but we're talking about it in the future, and it already happened for you in the past. Okay, so here's the final the final showdown on this podcast. Why are you guys going out tonight to look at the stars together and have not invited me? We are inviting you. You haven't invited me yet. Hey, you, you want to go got, out? You got, you got, no, I know you guys want your alone time. I know it's theology of the buddy, and I know it's my birthday tomorrow. It is, and and you tomorrow. won't even invite me out to look we at actually, the, at, to go see Our Lady sitting on the moon. Yeah, but, that's true. With a crown of twelve stars on her head. But, you know, hey, whatever. The, I'll just be a, here listen, drinking drinking whiskey, crying out of my theology moon. of the buddy. It's a super moon, which means it's fairly close. Oh, and I looked up what Wolf Moon means. Wolf Moon is just it's an old like I think and I think it was a native name for like the first the full moon of January. Oh. So that's why it's just called the wolf moon. Oh. But it's a t- total lunar eclipse. And I hope, I, it was really clear earlier today, and I hope it hasn't clouded over, but the people listening to this, just they should know that if they also looked out at that moon, it hasn't happened yet when I'm speaking right now, but it has happened when they're listening right now. Yeah, we're recording on January 20th. But we were looking at the same moon in both the future and past. Oh, uh, that's really romantic. Yeah. It's lovely. 
It's theology of the buddy. Yeah. Meta. We, it's meta theology of the buddy. Think back on that full moon and realize they were having a buddy moment with us. Yeah. This is stupid. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks very much for watching. We know this episode was bad, but we really are glad that you guys are following us. And if yeah. you're not... And just uh, sometimes your brain explodes when you try to think of the most sorrowful and, and joyful thing at the same time. That doesn't make any sense. I still don't get it. I st- Actually, I understand the purification less after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you guys aren't following us, please... Follow us on uh, Facebook and on all the podcast. Oh, my mom's programs. listening now. Is she? Yeah. And hi, she, mom. Hi, hi, mom. And she told me after listening to the How to Raise a Man, she's like, basically told me to get a job. And she's like, why are you doing talking about how to raise a man? Like, you're not a man. And I was, yeah, it was pretty bad. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Anyway, thanks, mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for putting Aaron in his place. place. Yes. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, send it to us via email, theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. All of the notes are found at theologyofthebuddy.podbean.com. Anyways, I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. And I'm Matt. <laughs> God bless, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We really want to know your thoughts on the topics discussed during today's podcast, as well as your questions and topics you'd like us to explore in the future. So please follow us on Facebook at Theology of the Buddy and come hang out with us. Please follow and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play to keep up on the great conversations with new episodes coming every Wednesday. We would also love if you would rate us on iTunes if you have not done so already. It'd really help us out. Next week, Chris will be interviewing Deacon Mark Neugebauer, a Jewish convert to Catholicism, who will be sharing his story and discussing the Jewish roots of our beautiful Catholic faith. Until then, stay tratty!